TD and listeners, welcome to this week in interview. I am your host Anthony Drago. It's been a while. It's been it's been two weeks because week before I did a, a best of a, a rerun of, a, of one of our previous programs, and then last week was the fourth of July. So those of you who are in the United States, um, I hope you had a good day or a holiday. I, I I'm not sure if it's an Independence Day, but it's a celebration of American Independence Day. So I hope you had a good time. I had a barbecue and I had a good time myself. But I missed you guys. Uh, as I said, um, my Wednesday time with you is the highlight of my week. And so when uh, when two weeks in a row go by and I am not spending time with you, I miss you. I hope I hope that tonight we're going to have a show. Get back on track. Our, our focus is still on Dominica. Um, because Dominica, because of the level of devastation that we had, less almost a year now, and and we're still um, grappling to get out of it. it you know, it bears for a lot of focus. And and my guest tonight is uh, a gentleman who who spent some time in Dominica. He lives in the U.S. and and he's looking to reach back to see what exactly he can do to assist in the development of Dominica as we try to recover from from the devastation of Hurricane Maria. So I have a very exciting conversation in store to share with you. I hope you have your notepad and, and your drink or, or refreshment or whatever it is, and, and we're going to have a, a splendid hour together. If tonight is the first time that you're listening to this weekend interview, welcome. I hope that at the end of the hour, you will judge us as being worth your time and you will become a regular listener. And my regular listeners, I appreciate you every Wednesday making me part of your weekly schedule. This weekend interview is uh, a program where I have the distinct privilege and honor to talk to people of substance, people who have something to contribute, either by their training or by their experience or Whatever they, they have, they, they contribute and they're willing to share that knowledge with us. And I, I, I have that privilege to have that conversation and I share the conversation with you. That is my approach to this week in interview. And so I try to handle topics that are contemporary, but not the same way that you could see it on the TV or browsing the internet and that sort of thing. I try to bring it from a different angle and I hope that uh, I'm doing that. I'm satisfying that part of your of your knowledge base where there's that gap. It's not just a song bite or a me too kind of thing, um, but you you appreciate you know um, the, the the folks that I try to get to bring on the program. And if you are a regular listener, you know every week I start the show by playing the Karikamantem. Karikamantem done by Mikael Henderson is a is a really a great song, and it keeps alive our hope that one day the Caribbean can be a union, almost like the European Union. We have a Caribbean Union as well, uh, and show them that we can do it even better than they can. So, without much ado, uh, much more ado, uh, let me play Mikael Henderson doing the Caricamantum. When I come back, my guest is going to join me, and we are going to have a conversation about, you know, just how from from as recent as a week ago, what are conditions like on the ground in Dominica and maybe what we can do to help speed up the process of recovery. So let's listen to Mikel. From many distant lands our forefathers came some seeking adventure some bound in chains waged and fought through victory and pain 
test of their courage, our freedom was gained. In homage to those gone before us, the heroes of lands in the sun, we vow to join hands and to focus on building one Caribbean. Raise your voices high. You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% .9 uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O dot com. All right, listeners, uh, welcome back. Uh, well, it's not even welcome back. You, you know, every week I hear Mikkel Henderson do that song, and she's such a talent. And that, that song is, is a special song. As a Caribbean person, I think almost any one of us can identify with that song, the, the music, the words, and everything. But tonight, I have a very special guest to, to have a conversation with that I'm sharing with you. My guest tonight is uh, Mr. Jeff Bellot, uh, originally from Dominica, and he he now resides in the United States. He has um, he's vice president of Wasin Cooperative, and um, that company is a company that does research and development of um, feed or additives to feed for livestock. Instead of, you know, we hear all these stories about all these hormones and all of these antibiotics and stuff that are, that are fed to our livestock. Well, we have a, a stalwart Dominican who has a company that, that develops probiotics um, that enhances that food that our livestock eat, making it healthier for us and also pro pro producing better yields to the farmers. He's going to tell us more about that. Also, um, he... Is well known in Dominica, in the southern part of Dominica, because he was part of the village council. They elect an elected member of the Sufriere Scots at Galleon Village Council. And he even served as the chairman there for a while. So he has a lot to share with us. He's also just come back from Dominica, and so um, which was what really sparked um, my interest in having a conversation with him. But let, let me not prolong it much longer. Let me go to the phone. And welcome, uh, Mr. Jeff Bellot. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on this weekend interview. Good evening to you, Mr. Draco. Good evening to you all listening to TVN Radio. And whatever uh, you are globally listening, um, um, good evening to you. And I want to thank you for the opportunity um, to be on your very popular program while listening um, with this great interview. So it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, it's, 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 thank you. It's, it's really nice to have you. Um, and so I introduced you as a son of the soil, a son of Dominican soil, who is making very, very um, admirable inroads into the business um, community in the United States. Uh, and so I, I want to start there because I have this thing that I say that people from Dominican, people from the Caribbean, we, are, we excel everywhere but in the Caribbean because we're not allowed to excel in the Caribbean. Tell us a little bit about your company, um, Wasin Incorporated, as well as um, you also have Caribfeed. Tell us about that, your businesses. Well, yes. Um, as we said, I'm originally from Dominica. Um, I call it the historical village of Scotstead, um, which born and raised. A lot of people cannot say that they born and raised from community. I always feel proud to say when my mom told me I was born at her house on a Friday afternoon. So I always feel very good about that, that I was on the body from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's always good. Um, um, a little bit about um, um, 
because the population is about 60,000 people, mm-hmm. it's very manageable. Um, the farm, the people we can work with, is something very manageable. So we have tried to work with this um, with the current government. Um, we have tried to do everything we could. As recent as um, June 22nd, we had um, an educational forum, which really made headlines, um, not just in Dominica, but for the Caribbean news, where farmers came. We were honestly expecting about 40 to 50 farmers. We had well over 120 um, people um, attended that, mm-hmm. and they felt like they learned something. So we are trying to bring this to Dominica to help. But I can tell you, it is very difficult um, to get this going into Dominica, because there's a lot of education needs to be, um, that, that needed to be done. But at the same time, I don't think that we are getting the kind of support we need from the government. Okay, so Jeff, Jeff, before we before we go to the Caribbean, um, let's talk about your company. It's based in the U.S., but from from talking to you, you say that you have clients worldwide, pretty much, right? You have clients um, all over the world that use your product um, to to improve their their livestock business, right? Um, the company based in the United States, um, we, we um, develop an additive to add it to animal feed mm-hmm. to replace antibiotics. So we work with companies, I mean, pretty much globally. Now, because our company is a private label company, we cannot really share the companies we work with. Right. Uh, but we work with a lot of major companies around the world. Um, we ship products, you know, um, really anywhere uh, all, you know, continent United States. Um, we, we ship product um, Asia, uh, you know, we ship product in Africa, we, we ship product in Europe. And um, we, one of the things that we do that a lot, a lot of companies can do, um, we are made to other companies. For example, we don't, no one is too small or too big with. A good example is uh, Mr. Dreger will come to me and say, hey, you know, um, I have a farmer who got, uh, you know, like um, 200 birds or 500 birds, but the problem is that, you know, they, they have no issues in, in laying the egg, or, you know, all the eggs, you know, the, the shells are soft, or they keep breaking. Mm-hmm. We'll go to the farm, we will do some research, take some sample of the feed, take some sample of the water, you know, do environment and all of that, go back to the lab, and whatever we find out, then we use our probiotic screen it against that, to see if we can get rid of the pathogen, if for example it is a pathogen. Um, a lot of times it's something simple as maybe too much chlorine in the water or something like that. So what we do, we go back to the lab, we do our research, and then we develop our product specifically for this. That's the big difference with what we do, and this is the advantage that we have. So um, we we do that, and, and 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 then we go to these companies, we work with them. So we do, we do a lot of research. We actually um, um, just last September. Um, came from a uh, 3,000 square foot building where we were renting to a 15,000 square foot building. So just to give an idea of the growth that we're having, mm-hmm. and we're actually just going to be hiring another lab, um, uh, another scientist at our lab, um, probably next month, um, God willing. So, so we do really um, in-depth research and develop products, and we don't just put products on market ourselves. We do the research on it, and we go to the farms and we work with them. And for people wondering, uh, how do they contact Wasin? Um, W-A-S-E-E-N-I-N-C.com, wasininc.com. And um, you can... Let's say that, let's, let's say that more slowly, wasininc.com, W-A-S-E-E-N, wasininc.com. You go to the website, they do, you know, do very, very interesting work. And uh, I'm so proud to know that it's a fellow Dominican who's involved in, in 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 that type of business because we know as the population of human population increases, more and more of our resources go towards feeding our people. And um, oh. you hear a lot of environmentalists talk about the impact of raising livestock. And so if we have a company like Wasin that now um, uses natural processes to 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 enhance the feed or to make the feed that you that you give to your to your livestock actually be the medicine so to speak that the livestock needs we we bend in the we bend in the act a little bit towards uh, a more wholesome and a more environmental friendly um, livestock industry rather than what we have going right now where we have factory produced stuff with a lot of pump them with antibiotics get them to get as big as possible as fast as possible 
get them to market. And as you said, we the consumers, when we eat those meats, um, it affects us. So, so very, very much impressed with the work of Wasin. So go to the website, Wasin, W-A-S-E-E-N-I-N-C, um, Inc., um, wasininc.com. So, um, so, so is that you're not, you're not um, necessarily a feed manufacturer. You are a, I don't know if it's a supplement or... Yeah, we, we do more research. We do more and, research and and yeah. so, so what we would do, the, we, 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 we would prepare an additive for the feed. So we would make an additive. Right. And then the additive we make, then we send um, the, the, the place where the feed is made, they add it to the feed in the process. And just to give you an example of how inexpensive, um, um, you know, we can be healthy and how inexpensive that um, those animals can be. For example, the product that we make is so concentrated in the sense of that it can distribute very well. Um, we make product where you can go up to half a pound, half a pound per ton of feed. So this probiotic, they work so well that we can give you half a pound into 2,000 pounds. So for the people who don't understand that um, in the pound way, imagine 227 grams, which is equivalent to half a pound, mm-hmm. going into 2,000 pounds, which is 908 kilograms. So that is to show you the effectiveness of this probiotics, how it works well. Um, some applications, we go to like one pound per ton, and this is really what we go maximum with, one pound per ton of feed. So then, um, these are the inclusion rates we added. And, and, and those products, when they go into the feed mill, uh, we also, uh, we, we put everything together for the feed mill and the customer in a sense, where we make all the recommendations, we put um, all the SOPs together for them and work. And I can tell you, Tony, that uh, the amount of people who have come to us, we started our business with one small customer guy, um, which was just like a few thousand dollars, and then how much we helped him grow, and then how now eventually when people, the big large companies in the US are hearing about what we are doing, our flexibility, they came on board. So we have Dominican um, that can do very good work, and we are proud of all of us who we are, including you. And I think um, these are the things, other Dominican I see, that whatever I do here that's successful, I try to integrate it into the Caribbean system. And this is where Caribbean comes in. So, so when we look at what we can do with Martin, we went to the Caribbean and we, we tried to do the six things and um, we quickly realized the top quality of the food in the Caribbean. Some of them are really overwhelming, full with um, antibiotics. I'm very surprised actually those things are even illegal to be selling in the market because a lot of those birds, by the time they get to market, there's no way we can have them get rid of the antibiotics in the system. I'm sure that we are consuming that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and what was interesting too, um, as I was in Dominica recently, also last week, I got back here on July 4th, early a.m., and I went to a particular grocery store, and I, I saw this meat that brought my attention, um, and I look at it, it's a package, and then it was written, not for human consumption, um, not for human consumption. Where you saw that, in Dominica? In Dominica, but for human consumption in China. And I asked the person at the store, I said, how could you be selling this? I mean, do you understand this is not for the carry market, this is probably for China, we don't want it off with it. And the person told me, well, if I don't want it, just leave it alone. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, what was sad was that, unfortunately, I didn't have my cell phone with me to take a picture of it. And to actually record the person let them know what she said to have a conversation with um, the individual at that, at that particular store. So. Uh, there's a lot of things that we need to do. Yes. Uh, you, you know, Jeff, th- this brings up a very important aspect that um, that um, I, 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 I always like to press um, is the need for, for standards. The need for standards in the Caribbean. And that is, and, and quite apart from the product that your company, a company like yours, can bring to, to the Caribbean, the the the, the, the the bigger benefit I think is the is the way of doing business where we want to you would want to establish a certain standard and exactly. therefore force not not force but require um, that there are certain standards to be met and and we we see it when we had the hurricane because we let our building the the, the enforcement of our building codes lapse. We probably had an outsized effect 
from Hurricane Maria, as bad as it was, um, we could have had probably a, better, a slightly better outcome if we had continued to enforce our building codes. And something as important as food, you know, um, definitely there is a big gap in, in the development of, of standards and regulations that would control um, what comes in. And the fact is that it's not that those things are being sold cheaply, you know. Those things that are, you say <laughs> stamp not for human consumption are people that are still struggling to pay for it and to buy them. Those of us who try to educate people about certain things, they look at you and they think you're crazy. And they look at you and ask, you know, you know, what are you thinking? And then uh, they're not very understanding. So there's a lot of education, education, continuous education needs to be done in Dominica and certain things. But the, the standard is something I'm very concerned about because, for example, um, there's a particular island in the Caribbean which is not part of um, the OECM. And the, the, the government of Dominica, present government actually, um, was part of the system who signed um, this Article 164 of certain products that is manufactured in the OECS member states. And it said OECS member states with the system carbon dollar that those products cannot be imported into those OECS member states unless they be like some crazy 140, 150% value. And then I saw some of those products on the market, and I asked, well, are you guys paying the value? How could you company the product, a local product in Dominica? And the, the importer told me, well, Mr. Bella, nobody ever told me this. I said, but you, aren't you part of the government? Aren't you know this? So there's just no standard. Standard is a serious, this is just one example. And, and I'm looking at, like, water, for example, imported into the island. And, like, they're competing, you know, with the price of the local product on the market. So... Are you say, did you say they're importing water into Dominica? Oh yeah, well someday you could probably find more of the water from somebody which I've not mentioned, some of the other islands. I'm telling you, like one of the big brands, I mean I can say that comfortably, it's not anything about an island, but you have blue water in Dominica very less expensive than the than, than the Lubia or the uh, uh, or tropical. And actually sell more and I was just shaking my head and I was looking at these things. Um, so, so standard is a big thing. Uh, at the conference we had on the 22nd, um, what was the best part about it is that there were people who you expected to know better, and they came and said, which is great to hear that they, they learned a lot. But these are people expected to know better. At the conference, um, we had uh, someone from Eastern Americans first who is interested in, in, in helping the farmers in Dominica, um, giving them vouchers to buy seed. And then when we get in touch with them, uh, we, we work, we're going to actually be working with them in a relationship with them so that we can help the farmers and the Samaritans first, you know, they, they, they're very serious about how they do things and they want to make sure that the farmer gets a seed and that they respect and, and that they can grow the industry. And unfortunately, um, Mr. John, Dr. John, who was Steve John, who is, um, I think he's the one in charge of the president, you know, he's title of the Dominica, um, um, standard or bureau standard mm -hmm. and fortunately it was supposed to come because part of the whole thing we're trying to do is to educate people if something happens how do you retract it um, you know put all these measures in place and then he told me he was calling to an emergency meeting at cabinet um, so he wasn't able to come it would be really great for him to come and I really hope that um, the next time we have a conference you can come and we can work with him great gentleman I think he's very much about um, he's very much about saying if you're talking about resilience resilience is not just Yeah, and strong institutions. Now, now, you know, the other thing is that I personally know of a Dominican who works in, a, um, in the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S., enforcing standards and compliance of agriculture. Um, um. <laughs> it's funny, right? But, but he, he, he works, he works in, the, in, in the United States Food and, um, and Drug Administration, dealing with um, standards uh, and compliance with standards in the production of food in the U.S. So, and those are people that are ready and willing to to share their information with a bureau of standards in Dominica to help them to develop a full and comprehensive set of standards. 
Um, it's just unfortunate that all these resources are just there wasting, you know. It's, it's, it's equivalent to them importing water into Dominica. All our resources are well, going to waste. Well, a lot of that is intrigued. I remember one time speaking about one issue that um, I had a very good relationship um, with um, this gentleman who passed away, um, Mr. Maynard, um, I call him a legend. And he told me one time that um, they had people who came from the glacier water. Um, they, they, they were trying to copy water around the world, how good water is. And when they tested the water in Dominica, they said that the water in Dominica actually um, meets above glacial water um, expectations. And then that um, they, when they did some tests, there was, I can't remember them exactly, if it's 500 million or 500 billion gallons of water every day flow into the um, ocean around Dominica, fresh water from Dominica. That's how much water we have in Dominica. And um, we have that wasted. These are things that could be used. And we went to Dominica on the same topic of that. We looked at we identified um, three communities in Dominica that we can grow a lot of corn and soybean. That is one of the biggest ingredients in most animal feed. Mm-hmm. And we did that. We tried to work in Ministry of Agriculture. And at the time, the Ministry of Agriculture, Mr. Drivel, um, I tried to talk to him. I think he tried his very best. But when the minister looked at me and said me that, you know, he, his hands are tied, I don't know really what was that means. <laughs> um, so I, started, I started to say to myself, I'm going to have to do this on my own. So um, we went and then we, we, we did some trials. Actually, one, um, one of the communities actually did, um, one of the communities in Dominica, I think, I stopped to visit there. And then the gentleman had, I can't remember how many acres of corn. He had like a huge corn maze and the product worked. We know it can work. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to bring manufacturing feed into Dominica. But there are certain things we're going to need um, um, for regulation purposes. Because if we're doing anything, we want to do it like the U.S. European standard. This is what our company is known for. We are really top quality. Um, we deliver top quality product. We're a top quality company. And if we go to Dominica, we want to maintain the same system. And I believe that having feed manufactured in Dominica, if we can grow some of these raw ingredients in Dominica, um, the feed will be less expensive. And then we can grow the industry. Because at that forum, we, we, we explain to the farmers, the livestock farmers, how we can grow that industry. And um, our, our chief microbiologist um, from the U.S., lady from the U.S., explained to them and, and she had told them that, you know, you farmers can be millionaires if you really take livestock industry. And some of the farmers laughed like it, it was funny. But then when she started breaking the numbers down, how do you do it? How do you get profitable? And everyone was like, wow. So what we found out at that, what we learned is that a lot of the livestock farmers in Dominica really they're not making any money. Um, no. The reason why I say that, they think they are, but they are not. Because Tony, nobody keeping track. I was very surprised of people who, who, who have big positions, who some of them were even dead. And they were looking at us like, wow, these guys are not keeping track of how many feed or how much feed they, they feed the animals. What time? No bookkeeping, no whatsoever. So when you think you're making money, you really lose money because they don't take into account your time. You, the time they take to feed the animals and all of that. So she went and explained to them why these things are important. And asked, imagine you have a hundred farmers. You can do this thing the right way. And each farmer can, have, can employ 10 people. That's very easy math. That's a thousand new jobs right there in agriculture. Yeah. So, then they start to realize, they, they start to realize, wow, this is a serious business. And I, I would not mention two islands. There are two islands in the Caribbean, carry feed worked with and helped develop. And those islands are doing really, really well by just switching the feed and then just adding the probiotic. And it's unbelievable how well they're doing. And here we are, we are trying to help these people. And, and, and this is just life, as you said in the beginning of the program, that, you know, it's unfortunate. We Caribbean people, we don't get the respect that we, we, we would get um, elsewhere, but in the Caribbean. And this is a culture I really believe we can change. It first starts with education in our primary schools. And I think one of the things Caribbean want to do is to have educational programs at the schools. And we already started that. Unfortunately, Hurricane Maria destroyed the library. We started a library at the primary school, um, trying to work with the kids at a very early age to make them understand that any mistake they make as a child, that could affect them down the road. And we are trying to bring this education system into play. And this is one of the big things about carry seed. And I can tell you, Tony, that carry seed really is not making any money in Dominica. We're actually losing money right now in Dominica. We are just trying to help the farmers. We can pack up shop and go. And my, 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 my 
my, my, my call is uh, to move on Mr. Pellot. I know you love your country. I know you understand. I know, I know that. I understand that. But look at all this potential, all this market there. You keep trying to work with these people. They don't want to work with you. Just leave them alone. They'll come back. And I'm saying to them, this is important to me. If I have to spend my last time to make sure we grow the livestock industry in Dominica, I will do it. And this is what I believe. Well, well you know, that that is what is important, you know. And um, those people who listen to the show regularly know that I don't pull any punches when I talk about the political system in Dominica. Um, I think one of the biggest issues in the Caribbean is that we don't have term limits. And so when, whenever whoever gets into power, their priority becomes to stay in power. And unfortunately, they don't um, equate good performance with staying in power. They, they equate creating a society of dependence where everything comes through them and, and, and oppressing whoever doesn't support them. And that's how they, that's how they, that's their model for staying in power. As opposed to saying, let us develop. If, if you're the prime minister and development is happening in your country, no matter who causes the development, you're going to get the credit and you're going to be the popular one. You're going to be the one coming out smelling like roses. But somehow that, that thinking is never taken into account. We have these governments that just want, when they grab power, they want to just hold it and stifle it. And, and so we have to advocate change, but not just the same old change where we just switch one bad government for the other. We have to advocate change where the new government that comes in understands that, listen, we have to change something fundamentally so that when you no longer there, your legacy is going to be a legacy of performance, not just, well, I was in power for 20 years or 25 years. And, and, and so what you're saying about educating the kids is important because our education system used to be more robust and more relevant to the needs of the country, as opposed to now, it doesn't seem like, we, we seems like Dominica is almost like a stock farm where People have kids, the kids go to school, they go to secondary school, and then we ship them off to go to university and they go to develop somebody else's country. You know? <laughs> well, well, one of the things I uh, always talk about uh, is uh, the education system and uh, what we try to do. I believe that, um, um, you know, whichever government, I like the way you put it, you know, change is not just changing government. Um, you may have a government that is not performing the way they should, then you change another government, and a lot of times the government after that comes worse. Then what do you, you should change that government as well? I think when we talk about change, when we talk about resilience, uh, we need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves a question: Are we happy with what we have? Do we think we can do better? Can we? How do we do it? And these are all the things that go into effect. And um, uh, when, when I look at the situation in Dominica too, um, I was very involved in some of the political things in Dominica. Um, I've been a campaign manager um, for candidates. Um, I've been in the council asking um, you know, people from different political parties in councils. Uh, we work together, we do this thing. Only these things are no more. Um, the, the political lifestyle in Dominica is, is very, very, very um, difficult. Let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Because that's, that's something I want to handle. I, 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 in not introducing you, I told the audience that you were part of the village council in the south. Um, Scott said, Sufria Galleon village council, and you even served as the chairman of the village council. So I know you're very big on the role that local government can, 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 can play in the development of a community. Uh, and now that you go back, um, as somebody with a certain amount of capacity and a certain amount of means that can make even more of a difference, how do you see, let's, you, you talk about it being different. What, what are the differences you see between now and back then when you had a village council that was vibrant enough to create a, a monthly activity that was bringing economic development to your area um, area known for fishing, so you developed a festival, or a monthly festival around fishing that seems to have been very successful. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes, and I realized that um, to go through all these things, we don't have the time, so that's what I'm trying to tackle mm -hmm. the issues here. No, 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 we're we good, we're good. The fact is this, uh, when I, I still on the council, I was one of the youngest persons elected in the council, um, maybe in the island. I was just about 18 years old. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I remember it very well as a poor because, you know, graduating from the skills training program in the leadership skills training. And I invite anyone who's listening right now and wondering what is the skills training program, what is the leadership skills training program. I encourage anyone, even if you have a PhD, that you have the time to really try to take that course. The leadership skills training program to me is really what um, taught me a lot and give me um, really that confidence that I needed to speak in public. And and when I did that, I went to the counselor and I realized, you know, just hiding, want to do something. I went to the counselor. And one of the things in village council back then was that um, if you call it, what we used to call it, house rate, actually, but really the correct name for it is um, 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 how, um, tax, uh, you know, I think. Like a property tax. tax property, property mm-hmm. tax. Mm-hmm. Like property tax. Mm-hmm. Dominican, I guess, we call it house rate or house tax. And then it was only $5 a year. Most people had a one-bedroom um, house or two-bedroom get $10. And the way it worked was that if we are collecting, uh, if we collected uh, a thousand each dollars, the central government comes with matches and gives another thousand each dollars, and then you take that money and then you, you fix drains and roads, uh, what they call local government roads, um, not the major roads, but like, you know, little roads in what they used to call little Kuwe Road in the village and, you know, little uh, corn roads and stuff like that. That worked very, very well. I remember when we came um, in the council, um, there was a little deficit um, in the council. And then those days, you know, there was really good um, bookkeeping records. And then we were um, a little under because the local government was trying to put a lot of money um, into building a build, rebuilding the streets because the area a lot of damage was done. And then um, we had a deal with the government, local go- with the central government, that we are going to ensure that we can collect um, those uh, property taxes. And then they will give us something. We went and we fix roads, and one of the things when I spoke of the council is those who don't pay the property tax, we won't fix the drain in the area. Well, of course, it came with a lot of controversy, and then, then I became, I took over as chairman of the council. Um, very interesting, Tony, the first year we did that, we did what we said we were going to do. We did not fix those drains and those potholes where people did not pay the property taxes. At the end of the year, the following year, there were people who paid for more than a year, up to two years, because they realized we were serious about what we, what we spoke about. Mm-hmm. And we went, and the local, the central government, we were able to break a record. We were able to have every single house in Sufrescot, the San Galio, pay the property tax, even for two years. Wow. And I can never forget it. The central government gave us the money that we needed, and we employed young people. We employed people. We fixed a lot of drains and roads and, you know, tried to get, um, um, you know, what we call standing public pipes, and we did all of that. And there were people with different political opinions. There were some people who supported the UWP. There were some people who supported the, the Labour Party. Some people who supported the Freedom Party. And, you know, we had a political differences. But at the end of the day, we all worked together and worked well together. And then we had what we call the video for the area. Um, from local government used to come quarterly or something, even monthly to our meetings and get an update on what's going on. Today, you don't have that too. I'm going to give you a very, very clear example. I can testify to you, in my neighborhood in an area called Savin's Scotland, there's a gentleman who gets a project to do a road. And mind you, this is a gentleman that was in the U.S. for a long, long time. I was told that he was soliciting tickets for, to come to Dominica to vote for a party, kill a political party. And that person really is not even like a contractor who can do the, the work. He's more like a remote person who can fix a bathroom for you, you know, who can do a little drywall for you. But as part of construction on the road, cannot do that. They give the gentleman the job for political favors. And the gentleman cannot get anybody to work with him. I can tell you as early as, as recently as last week, the man had to get, they, I don't know what is happening, prisoners from the state from prison, prisoners from the state prison were able to come to work with him on the road. And the gentleman, I was told by my power rep, he, he, I can remember exactly what she said, he seventy or $80,000 to do a piece of road, and the road cannot be done entirely since last year. And the man started the road from his house, leave all the rest of the road behind, going down to the side of the road, and blocking the road, and looking at me and saying to me, he can block the road when he wants, how he wants, this is his government, this is his party, he can do what he wants. I mean, I was told this is what Dominica has become. Clear demonstration and of the difference, huh? I am telling the, the people listening fairly that 
I have never voted for either UWP or Labour Party in this country. And I have close relationship with the Labour Party, the people in the government. And, and, and I was strong when the gentleman came. So these things I can achieve this. I know it is not right. Even if I may like or dislike the party or, or the government, I cannot keep this thing inside. How could this thing be right? This is what you have happening in Dominica today. And village councils are corrupt. And when village councils are not corrupt enough, then other groups and committees are formed. And I went to the power and asked, but how could this be going on? And then how you not checking on the gentleman? How you nobody told you no supervising, nobody village council. No accountability. Nobody is coming to supervise the project. So how that money is spent? How could I be paying taxes allowing this thing to happen? And, and for me to be to, to be let in as well. This is what this is what village concerns come. And a lot of money being stolen in, in, in the office and, and, and certain villages it's a problem. They, they they try to take people out and certain villages they don't do nothing. I mean at the end of the day, as somebody works in village council, the way I always know it is, whatever you, you, you collect in the community, government gives you money to work with it. This is how things need to be done. And I, 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 am, I cannot stand there and look at the thing and, and say, just be quiet. I, can't, I cannot do that. It's wrong. So, so you just came from Dominica. And um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember Hurricane David in 1979 that did almost an equivalent amount of damage at the time that Maria did to Dominica last year. And yeah. although you know, the Freedom Party was not in power at the time, the Freedom Party came into power the following year, um, mm-hmm. I remember the, the relief was very well organized. I remember uh, um, while we were in the country, it, on the East Coast where I grew up, that's where I was before school started again, in very quick order, uh, a, a, a center was established, and you knew that on Thursday and Saturday they were going to give, I will call it ration, but relief supplies, and you would go according to alphabetical order. If your last name was Drago, you know you go on a certain day, and they have a record of how many people in your household, and it didn't matter whether you supported government or you didn't support the government, everybody got a certain amount of food based on their household. Of course, human being humans, the, uh, the extra food or whatever it is, was there some people that got extra food because they were part of the, of the sharing. But, but mm-hmm. over, over and above that, everybody got enough food and clothes and supplies. I, I haven't been to Dominica since Maria, but you have been there. Are you aware of any similar in- infrastructure in place for the distribution of relief supplies? Because I imagine, as devastated as Dominica was by Maria, that people still need relief supplies to survive. Um, well, talk to me about that a little bit and what you, what you witnessed and what you experienced. Well, let me say, uh, right after Maria, I went to Dominica. Maria was in September. I went there early in November. Um, and um, we for company, what we call charities, um, our friends and families um, in the U.S. and our, our church here in the city of Wauwatosa, um, Wisconsin, um, thanks to Motherhood Council, um, Catholic Church, and St. Pius, and the uh, Roosevelt Elementary and the schools that um, I volunteer with, we were able to send. Um, we we sent um, um, I think two pallets of water um, and then about three pallets of supplies um, to everybody in the Sufrescoso area. And uh, my plan was to send it to Dominica through the relief effort. But after a call from family member, um, they told me that uh, my, the best idea is if I can come to Dominica and do it myself. And I asked, well, well, this should be organized. And they told me, no, there's no such thing. Um, there were parrots going to the port and taking things and things even into people's stuff. And, and I was surprised to hear that. So when I read about that, I decided to send the stuff to Dominica and I went down there myself. And I can say that every single person, every household rather, in the community get um, what, something for themselves. Those who have kids got diapers and so on, they did that. What I found was very, um, um, was very disturbing um, in my presence when I was in Dominica. Um, I saw a particular power rep, um, 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 uh, who's also a minister of government, by the way, um, in the evening was carrying goods, and they were saying compliments to you, and um, this is to you, compliments for the power rep. 
and that was very disturbing. Um, I heard of what he's saying, and, and when I saw the thing with my eyes, uh, Tony, I can tell you that um, I, I, I felt like I was just going to throw up. Um, it, it, it was very, very disturbing. Um, this thing was not organized at all, and I don't think the country, in, in whichever way, was ready for, for that storm. But we got let the storm come and go, and the, the, the preparation for it was not there. But the way the situation was handled um, was not right at all. Um, I can tell you right now, even as recent as I was in Dominica, you walk in the city of Rosal, you look at the firehouse, um, it's in bad shape. I think they try to cover it quickly. And this is a place where, you know, of, um, you know emergency people work. Um, um, that place, you know, could do better. We could have done better with that. I, I, I remember um, people um, came to my house and asked me for more supplies um, at that point, Michelle. And I asked, well, what happened? They said, well, we're not so part of the government, so they didn't really give us anything, but I know um, you're the kind of person that is everybody. So that was really, really heartbreaking to see. I, I don't think it was done in a fair way. I don't think they had any plan. And uh, I spoke to a gentleman, actually, who was part of um, the same thing in 1970, after um, the hurricane in 79. And he had a discussion. He told me that he offered help, and they did not take his help as to how to distribute everything. And then, um, you know, they ignored him. So it is very sad, um, very, very sad to talk about this on global radio, but the reality is, is true that um, it was really poorly organized and a lot of criticism was there and it, it ends up almost like a victimization system. Thank God for the good um, relationship that the people of um, Sufres got the potential to um, have with um, the neighboring island of Martinique. A lot of people from the Martinique area actually they put their supplies actually came to Sufrescot and actually came from Martinique where people were able, the boats were able to go up and bring supplies and, and stuff like that. But it, it, it's terrible, it's really embarrassing even talking about this on, on, on global radio. It was poorly organized and I think um, um, you know, much better can be done. It, it just was not done. Um, correctly. And as, as, as I was down there, actually just came back on, um, one of the other big things that happened, um, even with the Red Cross, the whole, on the roofs that were supposed to be fixed, uh, people make lists. And then when the Red Cross, I can testify to you, I went to the office because there was a situation uh, with somebody's house um, that was really severely damaged, the person lost everything. And they approached me and they told me um, that, you know, they were told their house cannot be fixed, but they, um, I just repeating exactly what she said to me that the, the white lady from America came and they took my picture and the man and I saw this in my house. So I went to the Red Cross because our organization also sent stuff to Dominica through the Red Cross, Dominica Red Cross. And then um, the lady pulled me in the office and the lady told me, well, this is exactly what happened. And I said, well, why would you let them do that? And then they said after a few people came to complain, they had to redo another list where they went and they do a list and they get people off the list who may not be... Um, supporting the government, um, or will not be friends of them. And the uh, most disturbing thing is that the, the, some of these houses they put on the list, you know, they don't meet your criteria. According to the lady, what she told me is that you got to be a house, you got to be around a thousand square foot, you cannot be more than three bedrooms. They really tried to be two bedrooms, but really the criteria is two bedrooms. And some of these homes on there were people who could afford to get a house fixed. They were four bedroom homes. And, and I look at the list in confidence with her. Because we, our organization, make donations to the Red Cross, and that's how we get the information. And to including my mother house, actually was crossed off the list. Um, because uh, they told, they, they asked, well, why that person list is out? And they had to question and say, well, this person has got kids in America, and that person is making donations, so that person can take care of his mother house. So this is the kind of discrimination and victimization that was done. And, and, and you know, it's very sad, it's very, very, very embarrassing talking about it. Well, you say it's embarrassing talking about it, and people have that opinion, like when people talk about things that happen in that we should not be airing dirty laundry on the air. But I think it's worse to hide it under the bed, you know? I think that um, it's, not, it's not the telling of the story that is the problem. It is the, the doing of the act that causes you to tell the story. Because if you don't talk about it, then you're protecting the person who's perpetrating it. Um, I always make the example of we, we criticize, you know, there are some times where you have a woman in a relationship and, and the person she has a relationship with is molesting her, her daughter. Mm-hmm. 
and because the guy because the guy may be a bread provider or breadwinner, she 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 doesn't do what she needs to do to protect her daughter. And, and and so if if she would if she were to, to 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 talk about it and go to the police or report the guy, would you say that she should not be airing her her, her dirty laundry in public? No, I think that if the government, if if people are shame feel ashamed when you talk about something, they should feel even more ashamed when the act is being performed. And so if we see the unequal and the discriminatory distribution of relief supplies, ah, uh, you know, I guess they're Dominica, I'm Agresa. You know, so everybody got hit by a hurricane. Everybody was, you know, was devastated. The criteria as to who gets help should not be a political one. It should be according to need and according to means um, to, to, to do your repairs. And so this is very disappointing. But Jeff, in the last few minutes that we have, I want you to talk a little bit about what you see as the opportunities and, and where you see the contribution that um, your company organization can make in Dominica in, in terms of livestock development because that's where you have um, that, that's probably the corner the niche of your of your business. But just in general, what you know, and we have listeners who may also be able to to jump in and help as well. So, what what are some of the plans that you would like to that you're hoping? That, that we can see come to fruition in Dominica as we, as we try to develop the country after the storm? Well, well, there's a few things that really need attention right away. I think uh, the bridges, uh, roadways, I, I mean, that's serious stuff. I mean, you have a situation where, like the Layu um, River, like that bridge there um, in Nigeria, when one went down, you only have one. And there, when I was there, no effort was made or any sign of they trying to put another bridge up or start that. What if the other one go down? Well, if you're coming from, let's say, the Layu, Meru, Central Superior, you can't get into town, right? So I think bridges are missing. One of the things I really would like to compliment the Freedom Party with when they were in the government, what they did after Hurricane David, and I really wish that the government currently would, would follow those footsteps and try to consult um, with the, the, like the Freedom Party had quite a bit of experience um, after the hurricane, what we did to rebuild back, and your people like Johnson Boston was still alive and well, and you have, you know, um, some other people that was part of that, and, and the working with Mr. James was young, but was a farmer. I think they, 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 they need to really consult these people. I think what the Freedom Party did, did really well, that get the island back on track, which this government should look at, um, first and foremost, is, you know, rebuild schools, um, you know, bridges, the hospitals, the health centers. I mean, like the health centers in Scotland is totally just falling apart. Um, these are the things that really need, need to, to, they should be focusing on instead of trying to get the port and trying to do stuff with food and this and that. And I also believe that the opposition have to find a way to cooperate um, with the government to work with them. I am very proud of, of this young gentleman, Ken Vital. I don't know him very well, but I'm trying to get to know him. Um, he seems to be um, one of those persons I'm hoping that can bring um, the, the UWP and the Labour Party together to, to understand despite the heated um, um, conversation, the politics that love right now and everybody have to come together. So I really give Ken Vital a lot of credit for what he's been trying, proclaiming uh, since he became the leader of the GFP in the terms of trying to make people understand that this is not the time to fight and this can work. Um, you know, this is not the time to pass a bill that's complicated. We need to focus on rebuilding Dominica together. We need to focus on doing that. So this is important. I think um, schools, bridges, and our health sector need to be built. The, the, the livestock industry, I think um, we can get this thing going really quickly, Tony. The reason why I say that is because I've got a great relationship um, with um, the commodity companies and, and um, the, the baby chicks to Dominica for buffets and broilers. And I can work with them. And with experience in the U.S. with other people, we can try to get more of those chicks to Dominica. A great example is this. Um, if you're into the broiler, uh, broiler bird, which is the bird that we would use for meat, and chicken pot. Um, you know, with our product, um, within four and a half to five weeks, um, you can get the product to the market. They're not going to be like big fat birds. They're going to be very muscle birds because of the probiotics. It's going to be all natural and less fat. So mm -hmm. this is great. Um, you can get that to the market quickly. Now, um, our food security system needs so much attention. And one of the things that we can work with, we're trying to um, work with them, is that you already have an apartment in place. Um, we need to have a system where we can train our farmers on how to be more profitable, get the birds down there. Um, 
get the, the broiler going, get the, uh, the layers going, and then we start doing that. Then we can work with the farm, which farm only put the protein to the abattoir, have a lot number system. So if there was to be some kind of disease or some kind of breakout, you'll be able to track it back and you'll be able to know where the problem started. And then you can have a, a proper record and say um, chicken number blah 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 sold to um, store A or B and then they can recall that then they don't get to the food source and stuff like that. So this is what we are interested in to in, in, in making in putting standards in place and making them understand that. Another um, thing that I'm trying to do is that um, I know of two young people in Dominica who got um, incubators, meaning incubators that is for um, uh, um, hatching eggs, like hatchery. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting birds um, from a few islands to islands in the Caribbean now. Why do we have people who can do that? Why don't we invest in these guys? Why don't we work with them and have a hatchery in Dominica? With the contacts we have, we can get those birds from Miami and the eggs from Miami, um, which is would be the closest from the U.S. to, to Dominica. Um, start the hatchery in Dominica, or grow that industry. I want the government to invest more into this agricultural thing. We already outbought in providing the top quality feed, in trying to work with the farmers. We don't care if we have to have subsidize the feed. We don't care if we have to work with them to give them all the training for free. And we give them all the technical support from the time you get that cheap to the market. We, we want to work in this area, and I believe if we can do this and then take a step of the way and let us go and do our thing, I believe we can build a multi-million dollar poultry business in Dominica. And to just to give an example, according to the report from statistics, um, when I average um, the last five years, um, it is about well over $5 million uh, a year we are importing in poultry into Dominica. When I did the math, it was a little over when you do the pork and poultry together, it, the numbers were really stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, and that is US dollars, okay, um, imported into Dominica. So that means we are consuming a lot of chicken and pork in Dominica. So we can build our hatchery, we have a top quality feed, you're going to get free training on technical support. We will come to the farms, we'll help you. We already have the about in place. Um, a company that should be really complimented, HHP Chicken Company, buying all the um, local products. So we send a contract with them, agree to place to buy every farmer that is by that is by using the carry seed that they will take the product because they are looking at bring providing a healthy option for the Dominican market. So we already have a market for the farmers. All we really waiting on is to bring everybody together to collaborate everything and where we can move this industry forward. I think that's our key interest. This is what we're interested in too. And if you're out there listening, we invite you to, 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 to contact us. You can contact us at carryfeed.com, C-A-R-I-F-E-E-D dot com. Um, that's carryfeed, like Caribbean, but C-A-R-I-F-E-E-D dot com. And you can contact us on carryfeed.com. You can see what we are doing. You can see Everything is on there, the research we've done, um, how we can get this industry going. So we, we want to, to work to develop this industry where we can rebuild a, a very good livestock industry in Dominica. And agriculture will always be the backbone of Dominica, and where we can incorporate agriculture with tourism. So, so this is really our focus. This is what we want to do. And I'm not going to give up Tony because I believe together we can do this. Definitely, and uh, and you know, as you, what you do is admirable. Um, as I as I said at the top of the show, people like you, people like you, and so many other Dominicans come to the U.S. You know, and we we, we allow to excel, we flourish, and and we want to reach back and help our home because that's where we got our start, and a lot of what we accomplish is because of the type of start that we get. And, and we would like to be able to, to reach back and help so that the young people coming up can get a similar start. And, and um, sometimes you just have a government that's more of an encumbrance than a help. And, and so, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for, for all what you know. We covered a whole broad area, and there's so much more to cover. So uh, I'm going to say you need to come back. Let's continue this conversation. Yes, I would love to be back. One of the issues I would like to talk about sometime um, is about um, what I've seen happening for young people. Um, we heard just recently about how young man just lost his life, like you know, like um, shooting during the day and all of that. And I think um, one of the things that I really interested into 
is to really see how we can reinvest into the junior secondary program, to the skills training program, um, because, you know, since that um, all came out, everybody go to high school and then, you know, like the Clifton Junior Community College, all that is gone. I think these are places where young people would be, um, um, you know, learning a trade. Um, I know people who are today have business in Dominica making furniture that they started from their junior secondary program into the Clifton Junior Community College uh, from the skills training program. And we have so many young people that out there are looking for something to do. I think um, something really needs to be done that. I really love the opportunity sometimes for us to talk about that, including when we started the National Youth Council and with the intention of it and what it is today. So there's a lot to talk about, but you know, we, we cannot give up. We have to all work together, and I want to thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, uh, and I enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to the next time. All right, thank you. For well, listeners, as I told you, a very exciting conversation. My my guest tonight on this weekend interview was Mr. Jeff Bellot, a former chairman of the Village Council for in the south of Dominica, Soufrière, Scotshead, Galleon Village Council. Um, he is um, the the vice president of Wasin in wasininc.com. Go to wasininc.com. You see some of the work that they do. Um, really contributing on a global level to change the the type of feed that we that we give our livestock and therefore impact in the quality of our food and and so much more so much more contribution that he that he makes um, so congratulations to you and your success so far Mr. Bellot and wish you you know continued vigor as I know you try to reach back to help people in Dominica. Well, listeners, there we have it. This has been another This Weekend interview. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I really missed um, doing this program. Next week, we'll be back with another um, installment of This Weekend interview. And um, have a great week. If you're in the area where it gets hot, stay cool. I hope there are no more um, close calls in terms of um, weather weather um, conditions. We know Dominica dodged um, a bullet on last week with Hurricane Beryl. And um, we know that persons get frightened. People get frightened easily because they're not as protected as they as they're accustomed to be. So, see you next week, Wednesday. Have a great weekend and um, good night. This has been This Week in Interview. I'm your host, Anthony Drago. I want to say thank you to my engineer and producer, Sam, always keeping the mics live. And, um, you know, this week in interview is an all-volunteer program, all-volunteer radio. And so I invite you, if you if you like what you hear and you want to keep us going, um, you can go to, to tdnradio.net and you can make a contribution. We keep adding um, announcers and producers and so we have buy equipment for them. We, there's a lot of expenses we have maintaining different subscriptions and so on. Go on there and, and, and support the radio station. Because sometimes that's all we have is independent radio. So good night, and I will see you next week.